If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Football. I've been watching it for 40 years. Are you kidding me? You're listening to Winning Cures Everything. Game day, baby. Wake up or get out. Here's your host. A confident young man. A superb athlete. Gary Seegers. Welcome in. Winning Cures Everything. It is the Sunday, October 16th edition of the show. It's the Week 7 College Football Reaction and Recap Show. What an unbelievable piece of theater we had yesterday in the college football world. Uh, fantastic games all around. Just a mind-blowing good time from noon Eastern all the way through basically midnight last night with USC and Utah. I mean, we had banger games all day. Uh, if you're watching, obviously, you can see the color changing on my face. I can't figure out how to get this stupid light I don't know, to stop fading. I don't know what it's doing. It's like it's switching back and forth between colors. I got one on my left side that is bright. I got one on my right side that is changing colors. And we're just going to roll with it, and we will figure it out as we go. Uh, but I turned that thing on this morning, and it's it's doing whatever. So the show is brought to you each and every time out by BetUS. It is America's favorite sports book since 1994. That's right. They've been doing this a very, very long time. They are, in fact, where the game begins. You need to go and check them out, BetUS. Very awesome. Uh, Zoom play jumps in. First to like and comment. Go Frogs. Yes, TCU. Fantastic comeback yesterday. We're going to talk about that one. Obviously, we're going to talk about old Rocky Top. We are going to talk about quite a bit. Um, what in the world is... Oh, God bless. Uh, we've got all kind of stuff. Uh, so, yes, all of the emotes and everything is all good. But this Nightbot thing that has been installed i got to figure it out. There's a lot that I'm trying to figure out with this show right now. <laughs> so we will figure it out as we go along. Uh, what an absolute beautiful Saturday we had. Uh, all across the country, fantastic games. Unbelievable. A lot of teams that were in really must-win situations, uh, yeah, did awesome things. Awesome things. Uh, got wins when they needed them. Michigan State, West Virginia, of course, on Thursday night. There was just... 
awesome stuff from top to bottom. So why don't we go ahead and dive into it and let's let's discuss. Let's go on and hit the first one on the board. Tennessee 52, Alabama 49. Now let's start off with this. Cheers to Tennessee for being able to uh, <laughs> double O'Neill. I'll have to finish watching after church. Yeah, this is this is the college football Sunday service, but uh, but I totally understand you going and doing your thing. Uh, if if you're Alabama, you know that you have to kick that field goal with no time left on the clock, right? Like that's the the situation that they got themselves into. And I understand that the advantage was to pass the football at the end of the game. Like I get that. Good morning, Zone Six jumps in. Uh, we, you threw three straight passes that were all incomplete, which left plenty of time on the clock for Tennessee to be able to drive down the field and kick that field goal. Now, obviously, there were other things in the game that led to that specific point. But what I'm saying is, you knew at the very end there, you were probably, if you didn't get any more yardage, you were going to have to, um, you were going to have to find a way to run the rest of that clock down. They did a good job early of doing that, of letting the clock run. But at the very end, they did not run off enough time. Now, here's the reason why you don't run off enough time, right? It's it's the fact that your defense can't stop anybody. Like, they could not stop Tennessee. Ugh, just unbelievable. Like, uh, Jalen Hyatt and what he did against that defense, it, it, nobody could stop him. He was absolutely unstoppable all day. Let's, uh, let's go on and pull up the stats here. Uh, we'll pull it up on the screen so that you can actually see what we're talking about. Uh, box score here, Jalen Hyatt, uh, da, 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 six receptions for 207 yards and five touchdowns. What? I mean, are, are we serious? Like, it, it's multiple, like, 50, 60, 70 yarders. Uh, the, the Alabama secondary had no answer for him. As far as the others go, Hinton Hooker, 21 out of 30, uh, five touchdowns, all of them to Hyatt. He did have the one interception, his first in 260 attempts, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, 385 yards, not bad. Bryce Young on the other side, 35 out of 52, 455 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, he did carry the ball four times, quote-unquote, for negative four yards. Um, but you look at this, and, I mean, it's just, you see all the different guys that caught passes. It was just all over the place. And yet, you still had Alabama players that dropped passes, specifically Jameer Gibbs towards the end of the game. Had one that just hit him right in the hands that was supposed to be basically a, uh, effectively a run. And it just bounced off of his hands. I mean, it's just weird stuff. There was one that uh, I believe Treshawn Holden dropped early on. Uh, just mistake after mistake after mistake. Uh, let's look at the actual numbers here, and I'll pull up a uh, game on paper so that you can see, you know, how this thing shifted. And you look at the win probability, you look at the expected points, Alabama started off horribly. And that's where this game actually got twisted, right? You always knew that Alabama was going to be able to throw on that volunteer secondary. Uh, what we didn't realize was the fact that at some point, uh, you had to be able to get a stop, right? And and yes, they got stops in a couple of spots. But when they did, they did not take advantage, right? They did get a stop in the first half, and Tennessee punched the ball. And of course, the fumble on the punt, which was 
technically a fair catch that the Alabama player, uh, whoever it was, number 34, uh, thought that the Alabama player had touched it and went over to try and recover it and was hit from behind immediately, fumbles the ball, Tennessee recovers, short field, bang, bang, touchdown. Uh, Anthony jumps in. Hey, Gary, big fan over in England. Enjoy all the stuff you do. What a great weekend of college ball. Yes. Hey, I appreciate you being in England watching this thing. <laughs> I appreciate it. So, for sure, uh, yes, a great day of ball. Let's go through the stats here. Um, so, Tennessee won yards per play, 8.1 to 6.9. By the way, uh, they were the first team in over a decade to average over eight yards per play against the Nick Saban defense. Just nuts. Um, third downs, Tennessee won 50 to 46%. Uh, Tennessee won rushing. 182 to 114, Alabama won yards. Now, the rushing stat might have had a little bit to do with the fact that Alabama was down 21 to 7, and they were down 28 to 10 early in that game. So you had to pass to come back. So it kind of shifts the the script a little bit, right? Um, zone 6, Gibbs is a monster even with that huge draw. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Gibbs, it, he's he's a big reason why they were even in the ball game. Uh, Alabama did win total yardage, 569 to 567. They ran 13 more plays, 83 to 70. Uh, they Alabama actually won the turnover battle, like two to one, which is yeah, kind of nuts. Uh, Tennessee also had two fourth down failures, so that was something. Um, Alabama won drive points, which makes sense because Tennessee had so many short fields, right? Alabama was helped by that late fumble return, where you, you could tell that Tennessee was starting to press just a little bit. Like, they had to start thinking about it because they had gotten down 35 to uh, 34, and it was it was a tighter game than they had anticipated. Uh, you look at this, the biggest thing here was the penalties for Alabama, and it started immediately. I'm talking just as quick as this thing started. The first kickoff, you get holding calls. There was a drive in the first half. It was in the first quarter where Alabama had four penalties that dropped them all the way back inside their own, like, two-yard line. It, it shifts field position. It gives Tennessee an edge up. It was just bonkers. Um, and it, it's something that you do not typically see from a Nick Saban team. And that's, that's what was really interesting to watch is how flustered this team got. And they do it all the time on the road. Right, it, it appears to happen frequently. They they had 15 penalties against Texas. They had 17 against Tennessee today. In 2019, uh, back a few years ago, they had 13 against Auburn. Those are the top three as far as penalties are concerned in the Nick Saban era. Uh, just nuts. This is the most points that has been scored against Alabama since 1907. Sawani actually scored 54 points in that game. 52 is a bonkers number especially without going to overtime like that's I, I can't even figure out what uh what the situation was um so yeah lots of penalties against Alabama um and there were some against Tennessee as well I mean there's one that actually kept a drive going for Alabama so yes it was pretty balanced as far as the penalties were concerned you know you look at these Jace McClellan uh, only got three carries uh, he did have a he did have three catches in this game. Uh, there were numerous opportunities uh, for this team for Alabama to win this game, and they just made mistake after mistake after mistake after uh, 
basically after uh, getting this game back to being within a reasonable distance, right? It, it was a close game, and they did not make the plays to win the game. So uh, the field goal, it, it did remind me of 1990 when Alabama, excuse me, Tennessee missed a field goal in 1990 with Johnny Majors, and Alabama blocked it and was able to bat it back far enough, and they recovered it to where they could attempt a, a game-winning field goal. So they won that one 9-6. to six. Tennessee was ranked number three in the country at that point. Alabama already had three losses on the season. So that was a it – was, it was a bit of uh, – I'm not going to say karmic, um, but it did make you think back. Like, this is the exact opposite of that, you know. Uh, Alabama beating Georgia in 2017 was much the same way that Georgia beat Alabama in 2007. Like, it's just a, time is a circle, right? Uh, you look at the stats on the sheet. We could spend, I'm telling you, we could spend an hour on this game alone, so we're not going to do that. But you look at the the page that's actually on your screen right now, and the green is good, the purple is bad. Explosive play rate, neither team had a big explosive play rate, which is bonkers when you think about it. Uh, but Tennessee didn't have explosive plays that like drove them down the field. They had explosive plays that scored, and that's the biggest difference. Uh, Alabama, 7% explosive. Tennessee, 6%. Defensive run stop rate, or run stuff rate, Alabama, 8%. Tennessee, 17%. Havoc rate, Tennessee, 4%. Alabama, 7%. The defenses did nothing. Uh, And Alabama's third down success rate was putrid. 38% success rate on third down. Tennessee, 62%. This was uh, two offenses that just went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Like, they once, once the game settled down... They could not stop each other. That just bottom line. You look at the game drive here, uh, the play-by-play, uh, you you will see. So Tennessee scored, uh, let's see, on every drive other than the uh, end of the half and the one where they turned it over on downs towards the end of the first half. In the second half, uh, they turned it over on downs early, even though they had already driven the ball uh, over into Alabama territory. Uh, Alabama came back, tied the game. Tennessee scored in three plays. Alabama came back, 12 plays, 75 yards. Tennessee throws an interception, and then Alabama does not take advantage of it. Right? Alabama had taken the lead, and they did not take advantage of the turnover from Hinton Hooker. It was the first in 260 attempts. It was just crazy. So then Tennessee comes back out, three plays, 94 yards, touchdown. I mean, explosive play again. Um, let's see, it was Jalen. Where are we? 78-yard pass for, uh, to Jalen Hyatt. Yep. So that's, it. I mean, it was just touchdown, touchdown, fumble return, touchdown, touchdown, missed field goal, and the game-winning field goal. So props to Tennessee. That was an incredible, incredible scene. Uh, they have been waiting on that for a, just it feels like a billion years, but 15 years, long time in a rivalry for you to not get a win. And I know that Michigan knows about this, and any win that you can get is a good win. Uh, this is one where you got to figure out what it is that Alabama is, right? Is Alabama a good team? Are they just completely flawed? We know that they've got good players. I think it says a lot about the team that they were able to come back in this. I think it says a lot about Tennessee that they were able to take a shot late in this and still came out with the win, right? They They got a lot of advantages in the first half. A lot of things went their way. When they started going the opposite way in the second half, they still found a way to draw up those plays, hit those explosives, and come out with a win. Uh, This would be a fantastic CFP rematch. It would be a fantastic SEC title game rematch. We'll see 
what happens from that. But cheers to Tennessee. Got this thing done. Uh, the fact that it actually happened at home, I think, was a monstrous deal. I can't wait to see what the TV ratings are. That's what I can't wait for. All right, moving along. We're not going to spend as long on the next ones. <laughs> I promise. I promise. All right. Uh, Utah, 43. And USC, 42. Now, uh, this one. You want to talk about crazy. Uh, Utah is a fascinating football team. Utah, USC uh, kind of went up on them early, right? Um, this... So there was a lot of scoring in the first half and then not nearly as much in the second half, which is kind of reversed from what you usually see. But when a game gets tight like this, you you sometimes do see it where they play a little more conservatively or the defenses get a little more aggressive. And that's kind of what we had here. You had a ton of yardage. And yes, I mean, you did have a ton of points here, 43 to 42 in favor of Utah. Uh, let's look at the actual stats. I'm going to pull them up on the screen. And we've got... Let's see. Uh, This is the stat broadcast version. Uh, You know, here, while I'm actually reading off, I'll show you this. You see the win probability. It was in favor of USC all the way through until the very end. Like, USC had taken control of this thing early and had held on to it until Utah grabbed it back. Um, Utah did win yardage 562 to 556. They won drive points 43 to 35. USC won yards per play 8.1 to 7.3. Uh, Utah did run eight more plays than they did, 77 to 69. Uh, yeah, USC won third downs, 56 to 54 percent. They won rushing, 175 to 138. They won turnovers, one to nothing. But USC did have two fourth down failures. Again, you look at the team stats. Uh, everything looks good. Everything's green, except for defensive run stuff rate and havoc rate. And have a great USC actually did better than Utah. Utah's defense was not good. And that's the biggest question that we've got about this team is why can Kyle Whittingham's team not figure out what to do on defense? I mean, it's kind of mind-blowing. Uh, I will say, you know, for the people that jumped in my mentions last night that were discussing the officiating in this game, it, it was not a one-sided officiating game. Uh, this was a just bad officiated game very badly very poorly officiated and it hit on both sides I mean it was just all over the place these Pac-12 referees are putrid and you will see John Wilner and other guys like that talk about it but there's no real solution that they can come up with right now these guys are still they're not full-time referees and and the way that the Pac-12 office does this they they're still trying to get a grasp on exactly how to filter in guys. They don't have a pipeline of guys that understand how to call games in the Pac-12, right? You don't move up from the Mountain West, et cetera. So that's that's where it becomes a just a huge issue because it, it continues on over and over and over again uh, because you have these games frequently. Just nuts. Uh, Cam Rising was 29 out of 43 for 415 yards passing, had two touchdowns. And he also ran the ball 11 times for 60 yards and three touchdowns. He also had that two-point conversion at the end of the game that was just, I mean, just sheer will. Absolute sheer will. Uh, Travis Dye, 11 carries for 76 yards. Uh, Williams was eight carries for 57 yards. Uh, Addison had two carries for 27. And you look at the receiving yards. 
Uh, so Caleb Williams, by the way, 25 out of 42 passing, 381 with five touchdowns. Just had a monster, monster night. Uh, as far as the receivers go, Addison had seven uh, for 106 yards with one touchdown. Uh, uh, Williams, excuse me, had four receptions for 145 yards. And, and so where is uh, Michael Jackson Jr.? Uh, no, Michael Jackson the third. There we go. His one reception, 20 yards and a touchdown late in the game to take the lead. I mean, it was <laughs> it was awesome to see. This was this was such a fun game to close the night on uh, because there was so much passion in this one. As far as Utah's receivers, I, we talked about losing Keithy and how big of a deal that is because everything basically ran through him. And I said not only on this show but on the BetUS college football show as well, look, Dalton Kincaid can do everything that Keith could do, right? 100% everything that he could do had 15 catches for 217 yards and one touchdown. He was an absolute monster in this game. Absolute monster. So, you look at what happened in this ballgame. I don't think USC is out of the playoff picture with a loss here. It is so, so difficult to win a game in Salt Lake City, especially at night. Rice-Eccles Stadium, with all the stuff that was going on with the tributes to the fallen players, like all of that, it was a massive, massive deal. I don't think that this is going to cost USC really anything. Like, yeah, they'll fall in the polls for now. If they go out and keep winning, should not have any kind of an issue moving forward. But I got to tell you, it was strange to see. Uh, just a bunch of ranked teams just uh, getting knocked out of this one. The I showed you the win probability. Yeah, uh, it just flipped on a dime there. USC was basically expected to win this game all the way up until the last uh, eight plays. I mean, yeah, that's when it flipped. Like, that two-point conversion is basically the only time that the numbers would have told you that Utah had a chance to win. That's it. So, we will uh, we will move off of Utah, and let's move to TCU. Now, this was a bonkers game. Absolute bonkers game. Uh, zone 6, yeah, Utah now has won 23 of the last 24 at home. Yeah, the only one that they did not lose in that time span was 2020 to USC, right? They, they are insane in Salt Lake City. Really, really good football team. All right, moving along, let's go and pull this up on the screen. Uh, da, 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 TCU. And here. TCU wins 43-40 to 40 in double overtime. Now, we'll pull this up on the screen because TCU got their offense absolutely rolling late in this game, and Oklahoma State dropped off really after having a, a pretty big lead. Uh, you look at the uh, – we're not going to do the drive chart, but we'll do the, the scoring plays here so that you can see what we were looking at. Yeah, 24-13 to 13 at the half. Uh, it was 30 to 16. It was, I mean, they were up 24 to 7 at one point in the second quarter. This looked like a runaway. Oklahoma State came out guns blazing, right? The pokes were on fire. And this was all happening at Amon G. Carter Stadium. I mean, it, you, you thought that TCU was going to come out at home because they were the home team. They were the ones that were supposed to come out, you know, fired up. And it did not turn out that way. You look in the third quarter and you had two field goals. From Oklahoma State. And everything else was TCU. TCU had a field goal in the third. Then they had touchdown and touchdown. Oklahoma State 
did not score in the fourth quarter. All of their offense came early. Like that's they think about this. Oklahoma State had 24 points with 10 minutes left in the second quarter and then only kicked two field goals the entire rest of the way. Like that to me says a whole lot. Yet you've got a 60-minute football game in the first 20 minutes. Oklahoma State put up three touchdowns and a field goal. And in the entire rest of the game, the last 40 minutes of regulation, they put up two field goals. And that's it. So cheers to TCU's defense for locking it down, for figuring out ways to get stops, for being, you know, taking advantage of what Oklahoma State was doing. Uh, Kendra Miller was awesome. I mean, let's let's pull up the uh, the stats here. Uh, Spencer Sanders, 16 out of 36 passing, which is not super efficient, but 245 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Uh, Richardson ran 22 times for 72 yards. Spencer Sanders, 11 times for 68 yards. And here's the the crazy part about that, which, by the way, Quentin Johnson, eight receptions for 180 yards and one touchdown for TCU. Just awesome. Just awesome. Max Duggan, 23 out of 40. Again, not super efficient, but better than what Sanders did. 286 yards, two touchdowns. When you look at the uh, team stats, right, you look at the time of possession. Now, we know the time of possession doesn't exactly matter, but in that second half, when you're going through that play-by-play and you're trying to figure out what happened to Oklahoma State, what happened is TCU took over, like just absolutely took over. Uh, 12 plays in almost six minutes. Um, Even when TCU punted the ball, uh, seven plays, three minutes. Like, Oklahoma State could not keep the football. Uh, there was the big interception, of course. That helped out a lot. But all it did really was run clock. Like, that's it. <coughs> so, you look at, at what they were able to do in the second half. TCU, eight plays, 94 yards, three minutes and 20 seconds. That was the one that actually got them the tie in this situation. So that Oklahoma State defense put up a fight early, but nothing so much after that. Oh, I have not read off the stats here. I'm going to pull this back up on the screen for you so that you can see exactly what I'm seeing. Uh, but yes, TCU, they they were favored by four. They only won by three. Um, they won, TCU won yardage 510 to 386. They won yards per play 6.1 to 5. They won rushing 226 to 141. Oklahoma State won third downs 35 to 23 percent, and Oklahoma State won drive points 17 to 14. Turnovers were one to one, but TCU did have a fourth down failure. Um, this was this was crazy. This was not what we, we expected a really really pointy game. And while we did get 43 to 40, this one was 30 to 30, and the uh, the total on this game was 68, I believe, 68 and a half somewhere around there a lot of people expected that this would be just an overfest, that we would see a ton of points. And I was one of those because the explosive play defense for both of these teams is pretty putrid, but they were not able to get things going. So that, I think this was a fantastic win for TCU, but both of these teams, the entire Big 12 this year, as soon as you get up off the map from this one, you try and catch your breath a little bit, TCU brings in Kansas State next week, and Oklahoma State brings in Texas. So as big as this game felt, as big as this game was, you still got some monster 
monster matchups right after that. I mean, unbelievable. Just a great game. Cheers to TCU for getting a fantastic W. Uh, before we jump into this, I see TriStar Sports jumped in. I think that Alabama's. Uh, I think that Alabama drops behind all the undefeateds. I don't know about all the undefeateds. Uh, he said uh, number ten or number eleven, and Zone Six said Bama will be like seven. Yeah, I don't think there's a whole lot of. I, I don't think that they're going to discount them a lot for going on the road and losing to a number six team in the country by a field goal, right? Like, I don't think that's a tough place to play, uh, especially this year. Uh, Zone 6, Big 12, it has a lot of good teams, no elite teams. It's so fun to watch. Uh, well, here's counter-argument. What if they have a lot of elite teams? Just throwing it out there. We don't really know for sure right now. So, something to pay attention to. All right. We are going to start kind of rolling through these a little quicker because those were the three biggest games of the day uh, as far as the most interesting. But let's jump into this one. Michigan, 41, Penn State, 17. And, I mean, let's do it. Let's go and pull it up on the screen so that you can see what we're talking about. I'll go and read through what actually happened in this ball game. Michigan um, was favored by seven, and obviously they covered that with ease. Uh, they won yardage 563 to 266. They won yards per play 7.1 to 5.2. Third downs 65 to 33%. Rushing 418 yards for Michigan to only 111 for Penn State. Uh, they won drive points 31 to 10. Penn State won the turnovers 1 to nothing. Um, you know, that, that pick six. Uh, good gracious. But they did have three fourth down failures. Uh, this was really weird early because of fluky plays. Um, Michigan was just, I mean, just dominant. Absolutely dominant. This team was uh, everything that I thought they would be when I bet them <laughs> uh, to to cover against Penn State. I, got, I really thought that this team was significantly better. They Zone 6 jumps in. Michigan owned the trenches. Yes, offensive and defensive line. They were studs. Uh, there were fluky plays that happened. The Penn State quarterback uh, had a long run for like 62 yards that that gave Penn State one of their scores, and the other one was like an interception. Like it's 23 percent of the day's offense uh, happened for Penn State on that one play. That's that's nuts. More than one fifth of their yardage came on that one play from um, Sean Clifford. So uh, Penn State scored on a pick six. Michigan driving at will settled for. Uh, early field goals before pulling away late. Yeah, that that was the issue early, right? You you kicked two field goals when you got into uh, into scoring range. When you had scoring opportunities, you had to kick field goals. They were up thirteen to nothing. All of a sudden, you snap, and this thing is fourteen to thirteen, and you're trying to figure out what exactly happened. And Michigan took over. Blake Corum was phenomenal. Donovan Edwards was phenomenal. JJ McCarthy ran the ball seven times, fifty seven yards, but Corum. 28 carries, 166 yards with two touchdowns, and Donovan Edwards. 16 carries for 173 and two touchdowns. I mean, just phenomenal. Uh, they didn't have to throw the football. J.J. McCarthy was 17 out of 24 for 145 yards. He did have the one pick, obviously. Led to points for Penn State. Uh, Penn State flipped to Drew Allar, and he went 5 out of 10 for 37 yards. They could not figure out anything. Uh, rushing the football, Nick Singleton ran it six times for 19 yards. Allen ran it six times for 16 yards. This was a whipping, absolute whipping 
So, yes, I Michigan looks like they are on the same path as they were last season. Penn State, I still think better than last year. But, man, when you go into the big house, you better be ready for a fight. And they were not ready at all. They did not have any of the stuff prepped for that. All right, let's, uh, let's hit this break. Texas-Iowa State is on the other side. Let's check out some things you should know about. College football is back, and BetUS TV has you covered. Every Tuesday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, we've got expert game analysis to help you make informed decisions before kickoff, only on the BetUS TV College Football Channel. Visit winningcureseverything.com to find everything you need to know about us, including full shows in video or podcast form, gambling picks, merch, the gear we use, and more. If you want more content from me, Gary, visit betustv.com. I host the How to Gamble on Sports show and, from August through January, the BetUS College Football Show. You can subscribe to both on YouTube. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or whatever's your favorite podcast app. And if your app allows it, leave a five-star written review. Visit the Winning Cures Everything web store to get all kinds of football shirts, hats, hoodies, mugs, and more. Visit winningcureseverything.com slash store to see what all we've added. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. And now, back to the show. All right, so we're moving into Texas and Iowa State. Texas was favored at one point this week by 17 points here. But Texas get to win by three Points. That's what Matt Campbell does. He drags you into the mud, makes you make mistakes. Incredible coaching job from Campbell to even have a shot in this ballgame because as far as talent goes, yeah, Texas way, way, way out ahead of them. But that's what that's what they do, right? That's what ends up happening. Um, 82 Atlantic jumps in. What record does Mike know? You know, we're going to talk about that in just a minute. So uh, the next game we're talking about Clemson. So uh, Texas in this situation did not look good early. Right, they were down seven to nothing early. They came out in that second quarter. They scored two touchdowns. They looked like they had taken back control of this game. Came out in the third quarter, only managed to kick a field goal. Uh, Iowa State was able to score points. Like that's in the second half, they figured out a way to score on this Texas defense. Uh, looking at the team stats here, let's go on and pull it up on your screen so that you can see what I'm looking at. Iowa State outgained Texas. And this one, 403 to 363. I mean, that is just bonkers uh, to me. And it wasn't from rushing. Like, Hunter Deckers actually was able to throw the ball uh, pretty efficiently, to be completely honest. He did throw the one pick, and that obviously hurts. But let's uh, let's go through what actually happened here. Uh, Texas won drive points. All of their points were drive points. So no short fields, no nothing like that from Iowa State. It, it, this was not a special teams whatever. Uh yeah. I mean, the turnovers uh, definitely hurt, right? That's the biggest thing is Iowa State lost two turnovers. So, that and that's the biggest thing is that it really hurt them. Um, Iowa State did win yards per play, 6.3 to 5.3. They won third down, 60% to 46%. Um, we could say that Texas is lucky here, but when it comes down to it, like this team – found a way to win when, in years past, they would not have been able to find a way to win here. Uh, Quinn Ewers, in this, the the 
typical numbers, uh, 17 out of 26, 172, three touchdowns. Didn't make the critical mistake. B. John Robinson, 28 carries for 135, so not bad at all. Johnson ran 11 times for 71 yards. Uh, just just nuts. So, yeah, Deckers, on the other hand, uh, really impressive. I mean, he, he himself led the team as far as rushing yards go. Eight carries for 30 yards. He was 25 out of 36, 329 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. You look at the play-by-play, uh, this thing got squirrely in the second half. Missed field goal. Um, they did score two touchdowns, and then they get down there and they fumble. Uh, just drove it all the way down the field. And, yeah, fumble at the Texas 32. And that, that ended the game, effectively. Texas was able to run out the clock. There were mistakes made by Iowa State. Uh, there were defensive mistakes made by Texas. That's that's the biggest way. So the turnover on downs early for Texas. Um, there's a lot of stuff that I might would have done differently if I were a Texas coach in this game. But the bottom line is, in zone six jumps in here, Texas didn't play well but found a way to win. Texas stocks up. Yeah. That's the biggest thing that I take away from this is, in years past, you would have found a way to lose this game. You're coming back home. The entire world is telling you how fantastic you are. And you lose to a team like Iowa State. That is a very formidable opponent, even if they are now 0-4 in the conference. This is not a bad Iowa State team. There are no bad teams in the Big 12. Bottom line, there's just not. So, now Texas, of course, you survive this one. You start to feel a little good about yourself. You got to go on the road to Stillwater off of an Oklahoma State team that that caught the bad end of an overtime game at TCU last week. So, which one's going to be more worn out? Who had to fight more? Maybe both. We'll see. But if you're Texas... You should probably win this game, too. It's coming up. Just saying. If if you're Quinn Ewers, you ought to be able to throw on that defense. Let's see. Win probability, et cetera. Yeah. This was a ugly game. Ugly game. But Texas found a way to win. So, cheers to them. Cheers to Iowa State for fighting like they did. Pretty awesome stuff. Pretty awesome stuff. Clemson. Good gracious. Clemson 34, Florida State 28. Now, we did have uh, 82 Atlantic jump in. What record does Mike Norvell have to finish with to keep his job? Zone 6 jumped in and said, yeah, uh, he won't be fired, in my opinion. So, I look at this as, you know, Florida State is now a three-loss team. They are 4-3 and three after starting off the year 4-0. and oh, But this was a really tough stretch for this team. So, you know, NC State... Uh, followed by Clemson. I mean, it, it, this is they're, they're beating the teams that they were supposed to beat. They are losing the teams that they should be competing with, and they are really, really close. The Wake Forest game, that was a tough pill, especially at home. But this is what you're trying to build at Florida State, right? You're trying to build a consistent competitor in that conference. And I think that they have gotten there now. This game in the second half, Florida State started to figure some things out, and they were able to eventually start putting up points. And that was all in the fourth quarter. They found a way to get back in this ball game, And that's a credit to them because they looked completely hapless early. And at Clemson, I mean, obviously, this Florida State did the same thing in this game that they have done in all of these past however many games, right? Uh, you look at the yards per play. You know, let's go on and, and run through it. 
Clemson uh, was up four, 34 to 14 entering the fourth quarter. Uh, Clemson won the turnovers, uh, one to nothing. Florida State also had three fourth down failures, so that certainly turns the ball over. Um, Florida State's rally helped it win yardage, 460 to 370. Yards per play, 6.1 to 5.5. Third downs, 54 to 53%. Rushing, 206 to 167. And drive points. Florida State had 28 drive points to 14 for Clemson. They won yardage again. They won yards per play again. And that's something that a lot of betters take a whole lot of stock in when you really look at them. But the bottom line is that Clemson dominated this thing early, and Florida State, by the time they were able to get things figured out and start moving against that defense, it was too little too late. Not enough time. Just not enough time left in the ballgame. Uh, Jordan Travis, like, eventually started looking really good. 254 yards passing, two touchdowns. He was 24 out of 42. Uh, but DJ, DJ Uyangalele, 15 out of 23, 203 yards, three touchdowns. He has been awesome this year. I believe against their three biggest games thus far, he has 12 touchdowns and zero picks. That This is a complete shift from what he was doing last year. Now, does that say something about Tony Elliott? Or does that say something about DJ, you know, coming back and looking pretty good? Maybe Brandon Streeter is the one that, that we should be giving credit to. But this was a great win by Clemson. Uh, going on the eighth, uh, Fitzpatrick jumps in, by the way. Big props to DJU. He looks completely different this year. A lot more composed in the pocket. A lot more sensible when running. Yeah, in this situation, they didn't have to run a ton of plays. Like, Florida State ran a bunch of plays. Um, 76 to only 67 for Clemson. But out of those 67, DJ only threw the ball 23 times. Like, Will Shipley was a monster here. 20 carries for 121 yards. This was this was awesome. Yeah, zone six jumps in. DJ is so much better. It's And it's not that he is, you know, he's not Bryce Young. He's not C.J. Stroud. He's not Hendon Hooker. Uh, he's, he's just a better version of himself. He doesn't lose the game for you and put you in crippling positions for your defense, right? And that's that's what you need when you've got as much talent as Clemson has, especially against this ACC schedule. I don't know that there's anybody on their schedule that will beat them this year. I just don't see it. Um, they have got a fantastic combination of line play, and now they've got pretty good receivers, which was a big question for them coming into the season. So definitely a massive, massive win for them. You look at the win probability on the screen here. Um, yeah, yards per play, you know, Clemson wasn't great. Uh, but everything else, like, pretty good. The explosive play rate, not not a massive thing. Uh, not a lot of defensive run stuffs uh, for either team. Uh, Clemson obviously had more. But, yeah, this was, uh, this was a big deal for Clemson, I think. Getting this last win, the schedule eases up significantly after this one. But, uh, but Clemson looks like the real deal again. So I guess we better start looking out for Dabo and them Tigers when it comes to playoff time. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see what the Coastal throws up in the ACC championship game. I mean, who knows who that might be at this point. Moving right along. Rapid fire. Let's hit on as many as we possibly can. Oklahoma 52 and Kansas 42. And this one was a lot of fun, right? Just back and forth, tons of points. And how different does this Oklahoma team look when they have Dylan Gabriel at quarterback? Goodness gracious. Dylan Gabriel, 29 out of 42, 403 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Uh, Eric Gray running the ball, 20 carries, 176 yards. Barnes had 21 carries for 69. He also had two touchdowns. I, I have said it 
over and over. This Kansas team losing uh, Highsmith and Jalen Daniels. It those are almost uh, irreplaceable players. They're just they're not. This Kansas team does not have the talent to be able to handle those kinds of losses. And on top of that, this defense is still not good. Oklahoma had 701 total yards in this game. It they could do whatever they wanted to, the entire ball game. Um, third downs for Oklahoma, 16 out of 21, and they went one for one on fourth down. They could do whatever they wanted to. They ran 100 plays to only 62 for Kansas. That's how efficient this Kansas team was. They only ran 62 plays, and yes, it was. It, yeah, 82 Atlantic said Vegas was right having Oklahoma as a seven and a half point favorite. I mean, that thing got up to 10 at one point, um, which of course they won by 10. But, you know, by game day, it, that thing was 10 on the dot. And of course it pushed if you took it at 10. But, um, but yeah, 76% third downs. Uh, Oklahoma won rushing 298 to 165. Jason Bean did a really formidable job. He did have two interceptions in this game, but he was 16 out of 27, 265, four touchdowns. They ran the ball, you know, 35 times, 165. That's pretty good, 4.7 yards per attempt. Uh, this team, this Kansas team is still a good football team, but, man, like Oklahoma had a lot more talent, and that was a wounded animal, and you had to go on the road to fight them. Kansas, uh, while we want to believe that this team was, you know, maybe a Big 12 title contender, No. No, 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 no. Not, not yet. Not yet. Um, this was two bad defenses, and Oklahoma took advantage of it. Like, big time. Absolute big time. Moving right along, we have got Syracuse 24 and NC State 9. Uh, this NC State team is in trouble. Uh, they are in big time trouble without Devin Leary. Um, Chambers, 18 out of 30 for 160 yards. I mean, that is... Like, <laughs> uh, it's not bad. I mean, you know, 60% completion percentage, but, man, uh, they just did not take a lot of chances. Uh, and even when they did, it didn't look good. So average uh, yards per play for NC State was 3.7 yards. Uh, now, part of this has to do with Tony White's defense with Syracuse. Absolutely awesome. Like, it, I, I look at this and I, I see... At 255 total yards for NC State, like this is what good defenses do. When you notice that the opponent has a weakness, you take advantage of it and you squat on them. And that's what Syracuse did basically this entire ball game. It was it was crazy to see a good Syracuse team. Syracuse now six and zero on the season. Uh, Garrett Schrader in this game, he did have two interceptions. Obviously, kept NC State kind of in of it uh, in it a little bit early. Um, but, man, 16 out of 25, 210 yards, two touchdowns. He ran the ball 16 times for 81 yards. And Sean Tucker, uh, 13 carries, 96 yards, one touchdown, and he caught four passes for 14 yards. Uh, Gadsden, just bonkers. I mean, this dude was awesome. Eight receptions, 141 yards, and two touchdowns. Uh, this was just a monster, monster game. Um, cheers to Syracuse. And now they go undefeated to Clemson. And we all remember Syracuse beating Clemson before, back a, a few years ago. This was not that long ago. I mean, obviously, Syracuse has to get outside of the dome now. But, yeah, this is the kind of game that if you're a good football team, you are supposed to win, and they handled them. They handled NC State. 
Cheers to him. Cheers to Dino. Knocking this thing out. I uh, I was super impressed. I was super impressed. Uh, looking at the win probability, looking at all that. I mean, you see all that purple for NC State. The purple is bad. The green is good over at Game on Paper. This, uh, I mean, they won yardage 389 to 255. They won yards per play 7.1 to 3.7. Third downs 50 to 31%. Rushing 179 to 95. Uh, drive points 24 to nothing. NC State won turnovers two to nothing. Uh, this is this is crazy. Syracuse is five and one against the spread this year. People still underestimating. So we'll see what they look like against Clemson next week, right? I, I said that Clemson's schedule eases up. Eh, maybe maybe after Syracuse, maybe after Syracuse, we'll see what that looks like. But whew, what a fantastic fantastic day in the ACC that was. All right, uh, let's hit. Hey, Illinois twenty six, Minnesota fourteen. And didn't see this one coming. I'll be completely honest. Uh, Parker on the Bet U.S. College Football Show did not see it coming. Uh, Illinois is a fantastic football team. Just bottom line. Like, they are... Uh, Ryan, what Ryan Walters is building on that defense is just insane. The fact that Tommy DeVito played in this game blew me away. And he had the ankle injury that looked horrible last week it looked like a high ankle sprain like he was going to be out for weeks and he's back playing in this game uh three carries for 17 yards for him he threw the ball 32 times 25 out of 32 252 yards one touchdown if you have a competent quarterback in Brett Bielema's offense with Barry Lunny you're going to be pretty good uh and we see what not having a competent quarterback looks like on the other side. And that's not to say anything bad about Tanner Morgan. Obviously, he went out of this game. Um, it, who knows what the situation is going to be with him going forward. But he was 4 out of 12, passing for 21 yards and one touchdown. They bring in the backup, and I, I'm not even going to try and pronounce his name. Um, I heard them say it multiple times on the broadcast. No idea. No idea. But he was 2 out of 6 for 17 yards and 2 interceptions. So, even worse. Uh, the only person on the team, really, that <laughs> that did anything was Mo Ibrahim, and he was 15 carries for 127 yards and one touchdown. Like, even the Illinois defense could not could not stop him. Um, yeah, Bielema doing a fantastic job. 82 Atlantic said, any chance Wisconsin rehires Brett Bielema? No, Brett Bielema is a big reason why they fired Paul Christ, I believe. They hate Brett over there. They hate him. Uh, Zoom Zone 6 jumps in. It looks like Purdue versus Illinois for the West. It really does at this point. Purdue looks like a really good team, but uh, I'll tell you, it does it does frighten you a little bit that Nebraska was able to hang around with them. And I don't know if that had more to do with Nebraska carrying more than Purdue or if it had to do with the fact that Purdue is not a great football team. But we'll see. We'll see. When Aiden O'Connell is healthy, like that team can play with anybody in the country. Just bottom line. Uh, but as far as total yards go... Illinois, um, 472 to 180. They shut down P.J. Flex offense. Just shut it down. Uh, yards per play, 5.5 to 4.3. They just kept the ball away from them basically the entire day. It was, this was shocking to say the least. 40 minutes time of possession for Illinois. They just sat on them. It, it was it was insane. Uh, Anthony jumps in over in England. Illinois were only giving up like 60 yards rushing a game. Seemed like a bad matchup for run-heavy Minnesota side. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But also, Tanner Morgan had been pretty good, right? 
like pretty good so far this season. And I thought, honestly, with Mo Ibrahim coming back from that injury, he's the best. We saw how bad Minnesota looked in the previous game trying to throw the football because they didn't have that pass-blocking help in the backfield. But when it comes to – and maybe maybe that wasn't all it was. Maybe this team just feasted on crap competition. You know, and no offense to those teams, but obviously you 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 know when you're crap, right? <laughs> like I think I think we all know that. So yeah, Illinois, absolutely fantastic, absolutely fantastic spot. Uh, this is Illinois dominated. I, I cannot wait to keep watching this team. I don't know what they're going to look like, but they were they were great. They got guys coming back from injuries. They got all kinds of stuff, and they look fired up. They look fired up. Yeah, Ibrahim still got 8.5 yards per carry. Yeah, but that's the thing. Like, they only had him. That was it. Like, where was the passing game? Where was all of the, you know, they they could not convert when they needed to. Their success rate was not good at all. And so, all right, uh, let's hit one more, and then we got to rapid fire through the last three. So, on the other side, LSU and Florida. Let's check out some things you should know about. Follow the show on Twitter at Winning Cures. And you can follow Gary at GaryWCE. You can also follow on Facebook. Got your own podcast or web show? Looking to start one? Or you're just curious how we look and sound so good? Well, we've got all the gear that we use listed on our gear page on the website. If you order using our links, you'll be supporting the show too. Subscribe on YouTube to get not only full Winning Cures Everything shows, but individual segments and other goodies as well. We're over 6,000 subscribers, and our goal by the end of the year is 7,500. If you're interested in advertising on a show that reaches over 80,000 unique football fans per month during the season, send an email to Gary at winningcureseverything.com, and we'll put together a plan that best fits you or your business. And now, back to the show. All right. How about I unmute this thing, huh? <laughs> uh, LSU 45, Florida 35, and whew, a game that was not talked about basically all week except for certain factions of the college football universe. But this, I mean, the storylines around this were pretty massive. Billy Napier, of course, the former coach at Louisiana, got basically no call at all regarding the LSU job. And LSU went out and hired big money grip, you know, Brian Kelly doing his thing, spent a ton of money, and LSU comes out with this win. Uh, it was pretty insane. Pretty insane, honestly. Uh, let's see. Do you think Tommy Reese is regretting not taking the LSU OC job instead of staying in South Bend? Well, yeah, a little bit. Uh, yeah, yeah. We can uh, – I don't know. I, you know, that's something that – I've not thought much about that, honestly. You know what? I'm going to say no. He's not regretting that. Uh, if he wanted to continue working with Brian Kelly, he would have jumped at the opportunity. I think that he wanted to have the handcuffs taken off a little bit. He wanted to be able to be a little more creative. And while that's not exactly working right now, uh, I think it could work down the line once he learns a little more about how to do this, right? So let's uh, let's continue on with this uh, LSU and Florida game. Uh, it looked early like Florida was going to be able to get this win. Um, let's look at the drives here. I mean, it for Florida, it was touchdown, touchdown, 
And and same for LSU. Touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. LSU had to punt one time. Like that, it, it's nuts. Florida turned the ball over on downs three times. Uh, they had to punt twice. Like this was a, a scoring fest. Like <laughs> I think that's the best way to do it. Anthony Richardson, 15 out of 25 for 185 yards, one touchdown. He ran the ball nine times for 109 yards, had that long 81-yarder. Um, yeah, I mean, Florida did what they were supposed to do on offense. Uh, you look at Jalen Daniels, uh, Jaden Daniels. Man, I am going to get this right one day. Uh, he had six touchdowns in this game, three passing, two, 23 out of 32 for uh, 349 yards and three touchdowns. And then... He had 14 carries, 44 yards, three touchdowns, running the ball. Cheers to LSU for finding a way to keep this thing going, and they finally, finally, finally got Keishon Butte involved in this thing. Six receptions, 115 yards. Uh, Malik Neighbors, four receptions, 48 yards. Like, these teams are doing well now. Like, good things. Like, LSU looks like a good football team. Looking at the stats here. LSU, uh, one yardage, 528 to 395. The one yards per play, 7.5 to 6.7. They won third downs. They were 67% on third down. They won drive points, 42 to 21. Florida won the rushing battle, of course, uh, and that partly was helped because of Anthony Richardson's long 81-yarder. Um, Florida had three fourth down failures that I pointed to. This was an incredibly explosive game, and I did not foresee that happening. But I did say on the BetUS show that, you know, I wanted to take LSU, but I can't trust them. Florida's run defense was what I thought was going to be the biggest problem. This LSU wide receiver core is coming into their own. You see all the guys on this screen that had catches here. I mean, Emory did fantastic things. Three catches, 24 yards. Uh, Jenkins, two catches, 67 yards. Taylor, two catches, 33 yards. This LSU team is good. Like, yeah, zone six. Daniels played his best game. This this was a fun game to watch. It was back and forth. Uh, I'm curious about the defenses. What are the defenses going to do, right? Moving forward, I'm very interested because it doesn't feel like either of them can stop anybody. Uh, like, this is – if if you're LSU, you're hoping that you could come out the next week against a team that's not Tennessee, that's not as uh, – not, not nearly as efficient, et cetera, and find a way to get some stops, and they just really didn't. Like it, they they got stops on fourth downs, but when it comes down to it, I mean, you still gave up thirty five points. Um, yeah, I think I think this is going to be a telling telling game. LSU, of course, moves to five and two, and they got everything set out in front of them. Everything they only have one loss uh, in the SEC, and that is to Tennessee. So really. LSU is kind of the same as uh, Alabama right now. Just throwing it out there. Uh, <laughs> zone six. So the SEC stopped playing defense. Kind of. That's early what it looked like yesterday. I mean, 52 to 49 in Knoxville. And then you got 45 to 35 in Gainesville. I mean, this is bonkers. Absolutely bonkers. All right. Uh, a couple more games that we got to hit on. Arkansas 52, BYU 35. We won't spend forever on this one, but definitely something to pay attention to uh, with, you know, another SEC team. And BYU always, like, I I was so wrong about this BYU team. I just, I, I don't know, I don't even know where to begin. Um, 
the defense is not as good. The running backs, not as good. Like Christopher Brooks was all right, 10 attempts for 53 yards. Uh, the receiving core just never came into their own. They did have a big day yesterday. Uh, Cody Epps was nine. Here, I'll pull it up on the screen so you can see it. Cody Epps, nine receptions for 125 yards and a touchdown. Puka Nakua, 141 yards on eight catches for one touchdown. Uh, but, yeah, Gunnar Romney didn't play. Like, they they just couldn't get any of their guys healthy. And I I just... I thought that this was a 10-win BYU team. I thought they were showing up because they had so many guys back. They understood everything that was going on. And Arkansas put up 644 yards on them, um, 7.9 yards per play. Like, just KJ Jefferson coming back, five touchdowns, 367 yards passing on 29 out of 40. Uh, He had 10 rushes for 32 yards. They tried not to run him too much. Uh, yeah, zone six at Arkansas could have scored 90, but they called the Hogs off. Yeah, I mean, Arkansas only scored one touchdown in the fourth quarter. Like, they, they had 45 before the third quarter. Just insane. Uh, that 24-point that second quarter for Arkansas is where this all went south for BYU. Like, BYU still put up 35 on Arkansas, so that's, that's one thing. But, man, just Matt Landers. Eight catches for 99 yards. Trey Knox, four catches, 66. Like, this Arkansas team is is not just dead. They're not just gone. Um, but, man, it sure looked like it when they had lost three straight and things had just kind of – that loss at Mississippi State was rough. I mean, it was rough. All right, finally, let's uh, – oh, yeah, cheers, cheers to the Hogs, by the way. Sam Pittman, absolutely phenomenal job over in Provo. That, that's a rough spot to go play. So, cheers to you. Hey, an interesting uh, video that came out. One of the Arkansas reporters said that he had never seen this before. Um, now, we've seen it multiple times here, but <coughs> the BYU uh, school has greeters when the team arrives. So they're out there, like, shaking hands and being nice and everything. And I don't know if that is, like, a, a mental thing that they're trying to, you know, kind of ease their opponent down. Or if it's just what they do as far as their religious affiliation. Like, are they just nice to everybody all the time? Like, I'm, I'm very curious. I've seen this go on, and I've never thought about the mental implications or the mental impact when it comes to the actual game itself. So, something to talk about. You can hop in the comments with that. Uh, if you're not already, or if you've not already, go ahead and like the video for me, and make sure that you are subscribed to the channel. Ever so close to the goal of 7,500 uh, that I had for the entire football season. So go ahead and knock that out if you would so kindly. Uh, by the way, go and check out Valtimeri Surf Company. There's a link in the description. Incredible, incredible clothing apparel. Just awesome designs. What it is is basically college towns. And you can get like a Tuscaloosa Surf Company shirt. You can get uh Starkville uh, shirt company. Norman, Oklahoma. All these kind of things. The designs are awesome. The fabric is phenomenal. Like, go and check it out. I'm telling you. Use the promo code GARY10. You can get 10% off your order. ValtimarySurfCo.com. They are good dudes, and it's good clothes. So go and check that out. Uh, Last one that we're going to hit here. And this is one that I wasn't sure if I was going to talk about. And obviously, we're we're about to jump into the uh, typical, uh, you know, run through, right? We're going to hit all these different games. If y'all want to, you guys can jump in the chat and tell me what games you want me to uh, to react to very quickly. But Michigan State 34 and Wisconsin uh, 28. 
Um, let's pull it up on your screen so you can see exactly what's going on here. Michigan State gets a win, and they had to have it. Absolutely had to have this one, right? Um, they were at home. They like there was nothing going their way. They were two and four. Had just been absolutely whipped. And they finally figured out just throw that thing up to Reed and let him go get it. Like it Reed is gonna do how about everything? I mean, just that team was so good. So so good. Uh nine receptions for 117 yards. Um and had the one touchdown. Uh by the way, Keon Coleman, five receptions, 79 yards, two touchdowns. The, the basketball player, huge win for Michigan State. Huge win. Uh, JDH Mafia jumps in, wants me to talk about UNC and Duke. Yeah, okay. Okay, we can do that. I, I watched I watched more of that game than I probably should have. Of course, you can see the multiple TVs behind me. I got TV there, TV there. I got. I had way too many games on yesterday. Um, but yeah, as far as, like, Wisconsin won rushing 152 to 99. I don't think that's a surprise anymore. Berger just is not getting this thing done. He, he wasn't bad, 16 for 59, but, like, Broussard, three carries, six yards. Like, but Braylon Allen, 29 carries for 123 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, this one was bad for uh, the, the Wisconsin crowd that wants to keep the coach, right? Like, that, that's the situation here is – this is the kind of game that you needed to be able to go on the road and get, and they couldn't do it. Like, Wisconsin looked like they were dominating as far as the statistics go for a large portion of this game, and they couldn't get it done. Like, that's that's the worst part. <coughs> this team was... Uh, they didn't do the things that you need to do at the end of the game to be able to get a win. And it went to overtime, and Michigan State found a way to get the, to get the win in overtime. Low-scoring game, like... It, Seemed to fit right into Wisconsin's wheelhouse, and they could not get it done. Could not get it done. Um, I mean, Wisconsin's numbers for an overtime game, they had 283 total yards in a game that went to two overtimes. I mean, like, <laughs> how does that happen? I just, I, both teams had, so eight uh, penalties for 72 yards for Wisconsin, nine penalties for 102 yards for Michigan State. I... I mean, you only had, what, 131 total plays in this game? And it went to double overtime. Like, it just, uh, the, the, this was an absolute perfect Big Ten game. Absolutely perfect Big Ten game. That's what it was. All right, uh, let's move along. Let me pull up the, da, 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 the scoreboard here. All right, uh, North Carolina and Duke. Uh, I thought that North Carolina was going to be able to cover the seven. Cheers to Riley Leonard for doing a, a monstrous job in that game. He That offense for Duke is legit. Uh, because if you have a competent offense, you will be able to score on North Carolina. <laughs> uh, Miami. Come on. Uh, Memphis lost in overtime, four overtimes to East Carolina. That puts them at four and three, and the schedule does not exactly get easy for the Tigers, so that's something. Um, how about Virginia Tech with the backdoor cover versus the U? Yeah, uh, I I mean, it was... Miami had complete and total control of that ball game, and nothing. I mean, just, it, 
just give up two touchdowns in the fourth quarter like it's nothing. Uh, they just stop fighting. Just ridiculous. Uh, how about Toledo coming back from 21 down? So that one was interesting. Let me pull up uh, the Mac here. Um, they were, yeah, 52 to 31. Yeah, it early on, Kent State just was rolling them. Absolutely rolling. And then Kent State could not score in the second half at all. Toledo completely shut them down. Jason Candle's bunch is 5-2 and two overall in the season. They're 3-0 and oh in the MAC. This is what Toledo should be doing every single year. Like, that, I'd, I'd be more mad if I was a Toledo fan. Like, obviously, you're going to enjoy this. But, man, you should be doing this all the time. You have more talent than anybody in that conference. So why were you not able to do it before? Like that's that's my biggest issue with it. Ugh. Ohio thirty three, Western Michigan fourteen. Um, yeah, this was one of my bets. Uh, I got this. <laughs> Ohio was actually an underdog in this game at the beginning of the week, and then it flipped over. Ohio was minus one and a half, and then it went back to about a pick'em. You look at these two teams. There was no question which team was going to be able to score. And it was not the Broncos. I'll tell you that. Uh, the MAC was a lot of fun. A lot of fun yesterday. Um, let's see. We'll go back to the top 25, make sure we hit on everything. Oh, 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 oh. You brought up Tommy Reese. Let's talk about Notre Dame. Um, that's not a top 25 team, but we can pull up the Pac 12. Um, Notre Dame. And I believe Chris Felica put this out, or maybe it was uh, Brett McMurphy or. I forget who it is. Somebody put out a tweet that said that Stanford and Marshall are 2-0 against Notre Dame and 0-7 against all other FBS teams. Yikes. Right? Like, this is... Everybody thought Notre Dame had gotten things fixed? Like, where the hell was this version of Notre Dame when I bet against them with BYU last week? This Notre Dame team was awful. Tanner McKee just eating them up. 26 out of 38, 288 yards. Like, Philkins? Philkins? Like, what are we doing? 32 carries for 91 yards and one touchdown? Like, at Stanford, I, Drew Pine was 13 out of 27 for 151 yards and one touchdown. Uh, the other guys, I mean, they ran 34 times for 150 yards. This was just an ugly, ugly football game. Yeah, at zone six, at Stanford was... Uh, was without four starting offensive linemen, too. Well, yeah. I mean, they've, they've had guys out for a long time. They were without E.J. Smith. Like, Philkins is a backup. Like, they, this entire team for Stanford is just not a good team. You look at what their record is. Yeah, it's two and four, but look at the way that they got the four losses. I mean, yeah, last week they put up a fight against Oregon State, but that's Oregon State with a backup quarterback. They got smoked by Oregon. They got smoked by Washington. They got smoked by USC. They put up a fight against USC, but that's back when they had uh, E.J. Smith. I don't... I, this was Stanford's first FBS win in 11 games. They were 0-11 before this. That should tell you something. Notre Dame has a lot of soul searching to figure out. This team is not overly talented, so that's something to pay attention to. But, um, yeah... I mean, I think that I think Freeman's going to figure out the talent aspect of it, but man, even without a bunch of talent, it's not like Stanford's got more than you do. Um, 
82 Atlantic. NBC regrets putting this game in primetime with the Notre Dame fans booing at the end. I I think part of that is actually must-see TV, if you want to be completely honest. Uh, I enjoyed that part of it, for sure. <laughs> I just, I, I think at some point, like, if you're a Notre Dame fan, you got to be trying to figure out, like, what in the world. Hey, uh, uh, cheers to Colorado for their first win of the season. Now, it came under Mike Sanford, but, my gosh, could you imagine if Mike Sanford reels off, like, a couple of wins? And I don't think it's going to happen. Let's uh, let's pull up their schedule and see what they got. Um, at Oregon State, nope. Arizona State, eh. Depends on the quit factor. Uh, Oregon, nope. USC, nope. Washington, nope. Utah, nope. Nope, 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 nope. I've got an under three and a half ticket with uh, with quite a bit. Uh, Notre Dame needs to fire Reese, period. He's been there for five years. Uh, Reese has not been bad. Like, he's really not been bad. Like, he, he's been this year, but a lot of that could be the fact that uh, the quarterback situation is so strange. Arizona, how about Arizona fighting back to cover against Washington? What a bunch of crap that was. Uh, <laughs> Arizona's fun. Arizona's got a really fun team. I, I would not count them out of any game as long as they got Jacob Cowing and uh, Jaden Delora. Period. Um, oh, 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 you, uh, 82 Atlantic, asked about uh, Kentucky and Mississippi State. All right, states, uh, State only scored 17 points, and seven of those came from a, uh, from a pick six late. That's what I think about that. Mississippi State going on the road is akin to Alabama going on the road, it feels like. Uh, that defense shut down Will Rogers, 25 out of 37, 203 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Uh, yes. Like, I I just <laughs> 82. I jumped in on Colorado plus 15 right before kickoff. I'll tell you this. Uh, you ain't going to get me to bet on Colorado. No, no, no. Like, I understand Cal, like, as a double-digit favorite. I get that, but that, that Colorado team was... Bad, bad. Uh, so back to Kentucky. Like, Will Levis playing in this game, 17 out of 23, 230 yards, one touchdown, one interception. That was impressive against that Mississippi State defense. Zach Arnett is pretty awesome. But here's the thing. When you have got a coaching staff that understands how to break down that 3-3-5 defense, you're going to have these. Chris Rodriguez, 30 carries for 196 yards and two touchdowns. Didn't see it coming. Didn't see it coming. Zone 6 and Mississippi State doing what they do. That's exactly what happened here because they Kentucky ran the ball 48 times for 239 yards. That's what won them the game. Period. Mississippi State was not able to run the ball at all. 10 times for 22 yards. Like they they only had the ball um for what? 40 I don't know, hold on. How many plays? How many plays? It wasn't many. Ran the ball 10 times, threw the ball 37 times. 47 offensive plays. For Mississippi State. They had the ball for 20 minutes. Like Kentucky. Mark Stoops is a phenomenal coach. He just is. And I don't know why I continue to doubt this dude. Time in and time out. Like the roster doesn't make a whole lot of sense. This team does not look good as far as numbers go. And yet, week after week after week, I am left looking like an absolute fool. And <laughs> I don't know why I don't just accept that Kentucky is the abnormality. That's what they are. They got a week off, and then they get to go play at Tennessee. Tennessee plays UT Martin next week. Is that defense good enough to stop hitting Hooker? I doubt it. Hooker put up 45 points on them last year. Uh, 82 Atlantic, what happened with San Jose State? God, you had to bring them up. You had to bring them up. That team is 
garbage. I am done with San Jose State. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully Coach Brennan ain't watching this one. But, uh, yeah, I was pretty irritated. I know he was really irritated. He looked as animated on that sideline uh, early as I have seen him look in a long time. And he, well, where do we go? Oh, Mountain West. There we go. Uh, this is This is all you need to know about this. You see the headline there? Fife rallies Fresno State to 17-10 to win over San Jose State. Logan Fife threw a go-ahead touchdown pass to Nico Remigio. That's what you need to know about this one. Cordero, 22 out of 44, 50% completion percentage, 294 yards, one touchdown, one pick. They couldn't run the football. San Jose State, 23 carries, 37 yards. I think they had more carries or more yards per rush against Auburn, to be completely honest. 36 carries for Fresno State for 103 yards. And Logan Fife, 22 out of 32 for 230 yards with one touchdown, one pick. Fresno State kind of dominated this game. I was so irritated. I mean, you saw early, early, it was punt, 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 punt. San Jose State interception. Fresno turnover on downs. Punt, fumble, field goal, touchdown. Punt, fumble, touchdown. There were so many opportunities for San Jose State. But this is something to pay attention to with some of these teams that haven't been there before, that don't really know exactly what uh, the situation looks like when you are the projected favorite, when you are the one. Now, Fresno has been there before. They have been the big dog in the past. They they were just without Hainer for a long time. Um, but the situation here has to do with San Jose State not ever having to feel that pressure in the past. Once they got a big win over a broken UNLV team last week, everybody jumped on them, myself included, and Kyle on the BetUS show as well, because we assumed that that San Jose State defensive line was going to basically dominate everybody going forward, and Jeff Tedford found a way around that. Just period. And that Fresno State defense that hasn't looked great all year, they finally showed up. And that's that's the big issue. They were at home. This was a, a bad time to bet against Fresno State. And I did it anyway because I'm an idiot. So, I really did think San Jose State was going to go you know, 10-2, and 11-1, and one, whatever. And they still might. But, man, this one did not look good for it. Did not look good. All right, let's continue a few more, and then I have to get out of here. Um, pull up those scores again. Anything that we have not discussed, anybody in the chat want to bring up? Georgia, I mean, 55 to nothing over Vandy. Yeah, you knew that was coming, right? Um, we already talked about these. Oh, Ole Miss. Ole Miss-Auburn. 48-34. Uh, to 34. Lane, you you cost me this one. Uh, that defense, putrid, absolutely putrid. Auburn should have never scored 34 points in this game. I am so out on Ole Miss being able to cover. That defense for Ole Miss is bad. They are not so sneakily crappy, right? So cheers on that one. Um we already talked about all the rest of these. Oh, James Madison coming in uh, for the first time ranked ever and losing at Georgia Southern. That's uh, entertaining, right? 82 Atlantic. What about Navy plus 12 and a half? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> here's here's what you need to know about gambling. Because uh, I, I was initially thinking, you know what? My handicap was on this was just wrong. It was just wrong. Uh, no, it was not wrong at all. Uh, what you need to know is 
when you are handicapping against a bad defensive team, um, the bad defense is always on the field, even until the very end of the game. So anything can happen when you have a crap defense, and that's what happened with SMU. Uh, Robert jumps in, Memphis versus uh, ECU. So, all right, let's pull up the American. Let's pull this up. Let's go through, and we'll look at Memphis, and I'll go on and pull up Navy as well. All right, we, you can say that we got lucky with Navy, uh, but bottom line is you're you're not lucky when a Navy offense throws for 138 yards and two touchdowns. Like, SMU's defense was bad. That's what we were betting against. That's exactly what happened. Doesn't matter when the touchdowns came. The handicap was right. SMU was not 13 points better than Navy. Period. All right. ECU. So, ECU had a bunch of injuries and this and that. And, obviously, that hurts in a situation like this. But, if you are Memphis, the... The two-point conversion situation where you are running the football (coughs) straight up the gut. You know that the only thing that works for this team appears to be Seth Hennigan throwing the ball. Uh, And don't get me wrong, you don't want to have to rely on that, uh, but I I don't trust this coaching staff. Like, I I don't know exactly what to do with this. Um, I look at... So let's pull up the team stats here. It's not like they had bad stats. Memphis' stats are always good. It's what you do in late-game situations that irritates me when it comes to, to Memphis, right? You get down here, and it's Memphis had to fight back. You know, ECU fought back because Memphis, again, took a took a big lead, 17 to nothing. And then you can't hold it, and you can't do anything. And you allow Holt Nailers to come in and throw for 400-something yards, or 300-something yards, 304 yards, one touchdown. You allow them to run for 169 yards on you. At the end, they are just stunting all over you. They are doing the, the, the dances and all that. Like, they knew that they could do anything they wanted to on offense against that Memphis defense. It was putrid. And this is what Memphis is now. So, it's irritating uh, being a guy that's from here, but... But it is what it is. Like, until they figure this out, like I, I, I want Silverfield to be good. I have not seen it yet. That's what irritates me. Anthony jumps in. Shocked Old Dominion Trounce Coastal. OD uh, seems to be that team this year who just pulls results out of a hat. Yeah, they are. Man, the Sun Belt is just weird. Um, there we go. Sun Belt. All right. So Louisiana over Marshall. Like, what is that? Uh. I mean, Georgia Southern over James Madison. Like, where did that come from? Old Dominion over Coastal. Like, here's the deal. Coastal's been playing with fire a lot. A lot. Uh, Zone 6 said, was Matt Barnes a bad hire for Memphis? Uh, no, I don't think so. <coughs> I don't think they were a bad hire. Um, Or he was a bad hire. Uh, he's still really young, right? Like, he... He was calling the defense for Ohio State towards the end of the year last year, and no, that defense was not great, but man, they had a lot that they needed to change, and it's tough to do that in the season. He's still a young guy, so I think he's going to help you get players. That's the situation here. Ryan Silverfield can recruit, 
And that staff can recruit. They've got the most talent that they have ever had on that roster. He has set a record for recruiting like three straight years. But if you don't know what to do with it, then you got a problem, right? Like that's, I, I think uh, Nick Saban talked about that uh, not that long ago, 2018, I think it was, where you had a bunch of recruiters, but you didn't have the guys that could actually develop the players. And that's kind of what Memphis is running into right now. Like recruiting is important, but is it as important as scheme uh, at the American level? Eh, that's a question. Uh, Old Dominion, like Coastal had been playing with fire. They they had just absolutely been playing with fire, and that defense is not great. They're just not. So, uh, da, 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 where is it? All right. So, yeah, Grayson McCall, 26 out of 34, 358 yards, three touchdowns. They were great. They could not run the football. This was something that was brought up. I brought this up when I bet against them with Georgia Southern a couple weeks ago. The Gardner-Webb game gives you a lot that you need to focus on. Because Coastal only ran for 1.2 yards per carry against Gardner-Webb. When you have a defense that can figure out that running game, it slows down everything else that Coastal tries to do. That if you've got a, de- it's much the same as a service academy, right? When you have got a service academy that somebody's defense has figured out gap schemes and what they need to do to stop that triple option, there is nothing on the planet that those teams can do. It's kind of the same with Coastal. They have at least got a quarterback that can keep them in some games, but that quarterback, the way that he runs, the way that that game is run, he is. Uh, basically, it all comes down to whether or not they can run the football. If the other team ain't scared of the run, what are they going to do? And then on offense, I mean, Wolf, good gracious. I mean, just unbelievable. Uh, Allie Jennings, six receptions, 87 yards, one touchdown. Like, they were able to run the ball. That Watson kid, 18 carries, 256 yards, and three touchdowns. They ran the ball 31 times for 324 yards against this Coastal Carolina defense. This was always going to happen. Like, it's not like it gets easier for Coastal. Look at their schedule. They played Army, Gardner-Webb, Buffalo, Georgia State, Georgia Southern, and ULM. Now, let's look at the rest of this. ODU, Marshall, App, Southern Miss, Virginia, and James Madison. I'm telling you, this team is about to be a four-loss team. Maybe more. I don't know. They could probably they could they could beat some of these. They could beat everybody left on the schedule. They could also lose to everybody left on the schedule. So that is one to certainly watch in the Sun Belt. Um, Troy got to stop. Hey, how much fun is Thursday night going to be? Good gracious! You see what we got? We have got the Sun Belt West title game on Thursday night in Mobile. Boy, if I could be there for that one, oh. South Alabama and Troy, uh, these are the two best teams in the Sun Belt West. I don't think it's close. I really don't think it's close. Um, if Troy gets through that one, they've got Louisiana, which is going to be tough. Yes, obviously, but this Louisiana team is kind of, eh, you know, whatever. Paul Wall jumps in. Michigan, 418 yards rushing against Penn State. Yeah, it was a bludgeoning, absolute bludgeoning. Uh, Army, they've got they've got Louisiana Monroe, and they've got at Arkansas State. Like I think Troy can get this thing done based on their defense. That Troy defense is awesome. Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of this. Uh, 
who else have we got? Southern Miss, I mean, just keeps finding ways to win these super tight games. 20 to 19, they're, they should have won by more. Uh, they were the significantly more talented team, I think. But, man, uh, let's look at the Big Ten. Was there anything that I missed here? Now, at Nebraska-Purdue, uh, Nebraska showing some fight, man. I think there is a real possibility that Mickey Joseph could get that job. Like a real possibility. Selling it basically as the Sam Pittman model, like the Dabo Swinney model. We'll see. Uh, Pac-12, uh, already talked about all those. Uh, Oregon State over Washington State. Look, Washington State's offense, uh, Oregon State's defense is really good. Really good. Jonathan Smith is doing insane things. They're 5-2 and two right now. Uh, but they don't lose at home now. Like, they have turned Corvallis into a nightmare for other teams. Uh, the ACC, uh, North Carolina, yeah, found a way to get it done at the last minute. But, man, um, look at look at these Duke numbers. Like, what Mike Oko has done... And he brought in uh, Johns um, from uh, Memphis, their offense coordinator. Riley Leonard, 20 out of 31, 245 yards passing, one touchdown, one pick. Here's the biggest thing. 42 carries for 297 yards and four touchdowns. I mean, <laughs> just unreal. North Carolina should have been able to score more points, but man. Uh, which group of five coach not named Luke Fickle is next up for a Power 5 gig? All right, so you've got your Jamie Chadwell, of course. Um, I think that Kane Womack uh, from South Alabama is certainly going to be up for a job uh, because he has turned that thing around quickly at South Alabama. Uh, along with that, uh, let's pull up some of these G5s. <clears throat> There's stuff that's probably not coming to my head on a Sunday morning. Let's look at the Sun Belt. Um, so I think people were really high on Charles Huff uh, after that Notre Dame game. I think that he's come back down to earth a little bit. Uh, Ricky Ronnie, uh, the head coach at ODU, like if they're able to win, like even make it to a bowl game in their first year in the Sun Belt, then yeah, he's going to be up for a lot of jobs. Of course, former Penn State offense coordinator. Uh, so he's he's been around the block. He knows these big-time universities. They've got Georgia Southern, Georgia State, Marshall, James Madison, App, and South Alabama. I don't think they're going to make a bowl game. If they do, look for him on some of these lists because uh, he's somebody that could actually uh, really do a good job there. Um, wherever it is that he goes. I, th I think it has to be the right fit. I think Will Hall will eventually get some look uh, in Zone 6. Will anyone hire Hugh Freeze? Yeah. Uh, Auburn. Just uh, keep an eye on that. I don't think Auburn's going to fire Brian Harson during the season. They don't have a good uh, interim coach situation. Like So if you're going to pay the man anyway, just let him coach out the season and then fire him at the end of the year. Like just, it, The team's fighting. Like They're at least somewhat competent. So... You know, like the defense isn't any good, but regardless. Uh, looking over in the American, um, I clicked Big 12, didn't I? All right, looking in the American, Gus Malzahn, uh, he's not going anywhere. Rhett Lashley's in his first year at SMU, and if you got a defense that bad, it, no. Uh, Mike Houston at East Carolina. Eh, uh, Tulane, Willie Fritz is 6-1 and one now with a win over South Florida. And by the way, like Jeff Scott, he, he might really be in trouble. Like, I don't know what the buyout situation is. I don't know if South Florida wants to buy him out right now. Um, but, man, yeah, losing these games at home, like, just just ridiculous. So, uh, But Tulane, that's one to look out for. If Lance Leipold ends up taking another job, Willie Fritz could jump in where Leipold was and do a pretty good job at Kansas, I think. He would, he would at least keep them competent. So that's one to pay attention to. Uh, as far as some of these others, I don't think anybody in the MAC, maybe Sean Lewis, uh, you know, at Kent State, um, but I'm 
<laughs> I'm still sold that if they if they keep Jim Leonard, then they'll I think they'll try and hire Sean Lewis as the OC. Of course, he played at Wisconsin. He's somebody that could maybe modernize that offense. Uh, in the Mountain West, Brent Brennan is somebody that you might look at, <clears throat> excuse me might look at for Colorado. Uh, I think I think Troy Calhoun from Air Force could be somebody you look at for Colorado as well. Um, yeah, other than that, nah, there's really nobody in the Mountain West that you would pay attention to right now. I don't think Conference USA. Uh, Jeff Trailer, I think, is going to stay at UTSA for a while. I just, I think, unless there's something that opens up in Texas, like if if something crazy happens and Dave Aranda went to Wisconsin, Baylor might try and hire uh, Jeff Trailer. Like they'd have to pay a lot to get him, but you know, we'll see. Uh, other than that, no. I, I, I think the G5 stuff, like, you are seeing that the G5 hires have not really been working. So, why would you continue to do it, right? All right, we've gone an hour and a half. We're going to get out of here. You guys have been absolutely fantastic. What an incredible weekend of football. I am so excited. Uh, NFL hops on in an hour. Uh, so, you know, if you want to watch more football, you can do that. I will be digging through numbers, getting ready for the betting lines to open up here in just a little bit. So that's my plan for the day. Going to be a good day. Going to be a good day. Uh, I went 4-2 and two on my bet US pick, so pretty good year so far. Thus far, we'll continue on. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's come back down to earth a little bit, but that's okay. That's okay. That's what happens. All right, let's get out of here. Let's get out of here. The show brought to you by BetUS, of course. America's premier online sports book. Go check them out, betus.com. Make sure you get signed up over there. Tons of great bonuses. Uh, fastest payout as far as offshore books are concerned. Like all kinds of stuff. So go and check out betus.com. Anthony Fitzpatrick, thanks, Gary. Enjoy your weekend. Yeah, I'm going to try to. I'm sure going to try to. I got a little more work to do. So there's no off days when it comes to football season, but uh, but I will still try. So my, uh, my toddler will be home in about 10 minutes. So I got things that I have to knock out. Faux show. All right. Gentlemen, make sure you are subscribed. Make sure that you like the video. Of course, share it out. Take your friends. Grab the podcast when it comes out here in just a little bit. And with that said, uh, we got a show on Tuesday. We got a show uh, with BetUS on Tuesday. We got a show with BetUS on Wednesday. Um, and I'm going to do the Winning Cures Everything picks again on Wednesday night. So make sure you tune in for that. With that said, <coughs> maybe I can get over this cough. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how things go. Uh, with that said, take care of yourself, take care of each other, and hopefully all your tickets cash this week. Thanks for listening to Winning Cures Everything. Make sure and subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast app, and make sure to leave a nice five-star review. You can follow Gary on Twitter, at GaryWCE, and the show is at Winning Cures. Be sure to check out the merch in our web store and share the show.